Excited for Zerb Soapbox? Super excited? <laughs> well, I just want to start with a little introduction. Brian Wong was on a plane once when he got up and did what he called an iPad creep, where you peek over someone's shoulder and see what they're doing. In that moment was born an idea for Keep, which has revolutionized mobile advertising. Keep is now in some 1,500 applications, has raised just north of $15 million, and is used by top brands like Pepsi and Disney. You might have heard of those. But Brian recently made a pronouncement that Keep wouldn't be dependent on mobile gaming. I want to get into all of that, but please give a warm welcome to Brian Wong. Thank you for joining us, Brian. Appreciate it. Well, first of all, before we get in, into that declaration, I do want to ask a little bit about kind of the origins of Keep and the application. And what exactly was it that you saw when you looked over people's shoulders? Yeah, so um, you know, I've always wanted to do something related to games and brands and mobile. And, um, <laughs> but what I found was a, small, uh, was a, a great opportunity to really change people's thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Because how many of us have experienced like this whole dynamic of, okay, pay $2 to remove these ads, right? It's like, no. for fuck's sake, people are paying money to remove advertising, and there's like, like, like millions of people employed in this industry, right. right? That think that they're creating this amazing thing that's so creative, and then there are people who are paying money to remove you, right? So um, this whole, <laughs> right? It's true, it's 100% true. Um, and that's just very unfortunate because we've now been, we've grown to accept this natural, necessary evil. Right? It's like, okay, for me to get free content, my ass has to be kicked by, by terrible advertising. And I was like, that has to change. And so that's kind of what, and then so when I started looking at the games, I started dissecting them. Mm -hmm. And I you know, listed out all the components, because I'm not a game designer, right? I had no idea. I couldn't design a game. But as a consumer, I noticed that there's one thing that was common, which was the achievement moment. And in that moment, I realized that people were very happy. They felt right. something. And what I learned in marketing class in college was, okay, the best way to engage with people is through emotions because it sticks with them more, has a bigger impact. So mm -hmm. if I could own these emotions, maybe we have something quite powerful. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's kind of how everything started. Cool, cool. And, and uh, speaking of that rewards, keep rewards mobile gamers or, or people in advertising with brand-sponsored mm -hmm. achievements. Yep. And I kind of wanted to know, how exactly does that actually build brand loyalty and advertise at the same time without being this kind of huge billboard banner smacked yeah, onto yeah. my uh, iPad? I, thank you for asking that. I did not pay you to ask that with loyalty and advertising <laughs> to my But that is really the, the main thing. Like, I couldn't stress it more. Why can't that same advertisement that you've spent all this money to, to push out and to produce actually build loyalty at the same time and build brand love, right? Mm -hmm. And um, how can that happen? How is that possible? It, it is very much so is because I challenge the marketers that I spend time with. And I'm like, you guys, all of the products you represent, right? So all the CPGs or big companies you work for, um, somewhere in their mission statement is something that says we're going to help consumers in their lives, right? Mm -hmm. Or at least they convince themselves that they are, right? right. Which is whatever. It's fine. Um, and so we're like, but I'm like, but, but your products may be doing that, but your advertising is doing the opposite. It's annoying everybody, right? Yeah. So how can you make them do the same? 
how can you make your advertising of the product that you're trying to say that improves people's lives actually improve people's lives as well, right? Mm -hmm. So in our model, is simply not even calling it advertising, right? The funny thing is the vernacular we chose was very important to the way we were able to sell this through mm -hmm. and bring in the right people around the table. So we went out there and we still don't do that. I mean, we don't ever call ourselves an ad network or advertising in general. It's moments, right? It's the reward, it's the engagement. Um, it's, it's, it's sort of this, this, this extra way to describe something where you don't have to just annoy someone. It should have some value there. So to answer the question, it's like when we provide you with value in that moment, um, the consumer today is actually quite schizophrenic, right? We're very uh, short-term memory. We're like a goldfish, right? It's just like we don't really want to think about things in the long term. If you give me points I need to accumulate, I don't want to be bothered with that. I don't, I don't have time to think about that. But if you gave me something now and I can consume it now, it's like a little gift. It's like a gift mm -hmm. from a friend, right? It's like a nice gesture. Right? So people will ask me sometimes, like, do people want to game the system? Right? Do they want to go in there and try to figure out? Like, when a get, friend gives you a gift, do you try to like, game your friend to get another gift? Like, it, it's not like that. Right? Like, when it's something that, that you feel is a nice gesture, it's a mm -hmm. totally different experience. And so to, in order to mimic that, we actually made our rewards completely unexpected. So that's one detail that I wanted to, to share, which is all the rewards we've ever given, and this is a number that uh, it's not actually public, but let's just say, in the last uh, year, we've, we've rewarded over 10 million people, right? More, more than, way more than 10 million. But out of these 10 million people, like, they had no idea they were going to get rewarded, right? And that's the best thing because mm -hmm. we're activating an entirely different part of your brain. Because when you don't know that you're aiming for something, when something comes to you, it's a nice, it's a nice surprise. It's, a surpri it's surprise and delight uh, in the most uh, physical sense of the, the, of the word, right? Mm -hmm. um, as marketers, sometimes we use that shit all the time in boardrooms, but it never fucking happens, right? No, it's true. Like, well, how do we surprise and delight people with this ad, right? It's so delightfully terrible, right? So, um, and so that's how that's how we build it, right? It's through the moment, it's through the serendipity of it, it's through the fact that you feel like there's value there, and it's supposed. If we do our jobs right, that reward is supposed to be useful for you within the next 30 minutes and nothing further. So, for example, like. If you finish a run, so we have like 60 apps in our network mm -hmm. that are all fitness, right? So say you logged a run or you counted your calories or you finished cycling or you finished a yoga workout or whatever it may be, um, you would get um, something like a Gatorade. You would get mm -hmm. something like a song download for your workout mm -hmm. playlist. You would get something like um, you know, a, a, an energy bar. Um, these are things that we've all, we, we knew would be useful for you to, to, mm -hmm. in that moment. And that's what really matters. Right, it's it's tailoring the yeah. reward yeah. at the specific moment exactly. that person needs it. Exactly. And let me describe it this way too. So so you know, <clears throat> Coke, you guys are drinking some of that, right? Super high margin, super profitable. Why? Because it's consumable, right? Because you have to consume it. It's something that's constantly being consumed. So we like to say kind of like we're like the Coke of loyalty. Like our rewards were never designed to be accumulated. They were never designed to be uh, stored for some aspirational goal of going to to some big vacation in Thailand. Um, the, our rewards were designed to be used on the spot, right? And that, I think, is a new dynamic of loyalty. And I'm hoping I can indoctrinate all of you today that, that that's what really matters. The, 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 the whole notion of saving up points and stuff, I mean, that, that notion is fading away mm -hmm. very rapidly, actually, mind you. I may care about one or two programs right now, mm -hmm. but anything beyond that, I have no mind space for that. There's too right. much to think about. Right. So when we can hit you right in between the eyes and have mm -hmm. something that matters to you in that moment, that level of appreciation from the consumer, not only have you told, you, have you told them about your brand mm -hmm. and what you're offering, but you've also built a very interesting loyalty piece with them. 
Uh, mechanically, I'll describe it as well. Funnel, we all know the funnel. Usually loyalty happens after the conversion, right? You buy something and then, and then you get rewarded, right? Mm -hmm. But what if we took that reward and put it at the beginning of the funnel and use that reward to drive awareness? Right. Ta da! That's keep, right? That's it's really that's it. So that's what we did. Super right. simple. Like, why wait until the end yeah. to reward someone? Yeah, why the hell? Why you wait? You're, the guy was gonna buy it anyways, right. right? So it's like, why? You know what I mean? That's. I mean, that's that's. Those are the questions that are being asked in boardrooms all across America right now. So it's like, are we investing, reinvesting in the same dude that was gonna buy the same thing anyways with something that's you know, or or do we just use that and make it a, a an acquisition mechanism? And that kind of leads to something interesting you actually said in a recent interview, which was just published a few days ago uh, in, in terms of metrics uh -huh. and measurements and moments. Uh, you had said, impressions are very mindless. Uh -huh. They're just seeing stuff. It's like me walking around with my eyes open. It doesn't mean I'm feeling anything. It just means my eyes are open. And I wanted you to elaborate on that a little bit. And, and what is this metric you kind of almost touch upon at the moments and, and, yeah, and, yeah. and the achievements yeah. that we should be focused on and how we use that to captivate an audience and remember our brand? Exactly. So moments, I think, are the, the new impressions and mm -hmm. the, new, the, the, the mm -hmm. new water of, of a marketing industry. And um, the reason is there's the, it, moments imply emotion. They imply a, a human element. So one of the things that we always forget sometimes is because of technology and all of the, the tools that are available today to optimize pricing and target people. And it's like, mm -hmm. you know, when you, when you kind of describe people as target demographics, it's almost like you're, it's like you're talking about them as like a, a dartboard, right? It's just right. like they're, they're not actually people anymore. And so we forget that people, people feel. Um, that's actually what makes us unique, right? It's honestly what separates us from a lot of other species, at least from what we know, is that we have emotions. And then that emotion part is, I think, um, the, the reason why we exist. And so if we can highlight those emotions, and when we look at moments, I'll, I'll break it down very simply. You use your phone in a series of moments, right? So if I'm hungry, I'm gonna whip out Seamless, right? If I need to do something or I wanna feel, I feel I have an idea, I'm gonna whip out Evernote. <coughs> if I wanna do something, I'm gonna whip out AnyDo. If I wanna kill my boredom, I'm gonna whip, whip out Mega Jump or Cut the Rope or whatever. And by the way, these are all things that we're integrated in. Um, so these are things that, uh, you see, know. See how I slipped that in? Yeah, 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 There's yeah. your achievement right Boom, there, right? You, know? <laughs> uh, you whip out these things. Um, and so what happens is uh, those are all your moments of need. And so there's a feeling behind it. And so when the brand is there to serve you there, um, you have even more of, a, of, a, of, a, of an affinity. Now, however, there is a huge danger there, right? Because if you abuse that, it could even be worse, right? So the, the consequences <laughs> are even worse. And so. That's why I say, you know, with great power uh, comes great responsibility, you know, like, like Spider-Man's uncle once said. And uh, you basically, you, you have a lot of marketers that may actually shit in this pool and make it even worse, right? Mm -hmm. by, by going, ooh, great moment to show a video ad, right? Mm -hmm. Or, or I, you know, companies that shall remain unnamed in the moment, great, here's another app download. You just got rewarded with another app to download. Good for you, <laughs> right? It's like, that's not, that's just not natural. Right, that, uh, and that's not targeting, like you said the specific yeah. need in that moment. It's, Precisely. It's, it's, it's forcing a need on exactly. someone. Exactly, so I have to train the brands that work with us to be like, okay, why don't we work, why don't we use the, the, the conversation around owning moments, right? Mm -hmm. So brands will come to us and they'll say, I want women 35 plus with kids and you know, work. And I'm like, fuck, like, that's just not, you know, what, what's the purpose of this? They're like, well, our product does this and does that. And I'm like, well, so you want to target 
fitness moments in the morning, right? You want people who are working out in the morning before work, right? So why don't we reward people after they work out uh, between the hours of 7 and 9 a.m., right? Mm -hmm. And let's, okay, fine, you think that only women can use this product? I actually think both sexes could, but that's fine. We'll, just, we'll do it for just women, right? And, mm -hmm. and again, sort of ease them off this addiction of going after, just because my eyes are open, I'm in the demographic, doesn't mean I give a shit, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and find the moment when that need is, is correlated very deeply. Awesome. Yeah, it's it's almost as if you just have to let go of some of these old school notions yeah. when you're trying to actually build that brand. And that brings me to kind of you guys, and you're building a brand as well. You know, how do you build your own brand, especially in something that is, even though you can call it an advertising outlet <laughs> or ad network, is, and how a lot of us have that visceral reaction to ad networks. Like, oh God, why? Yeah. yeah. So that's, as I said, you know, avoid even saying that altogether. Mm -hmm. And you know, I'll mention it in industry because I do get challenged a lot. They're like, all right, but it is a blah, blah, blah. I'm like, okay, if you really, really want to break it down, mm -hmm. right? You know, you could say a car is, a, you know, a, a, you know it's, it's on four wheels, right? right? And there's a lot of things that's on four wheels too, right? So, you know, so what we're, what we're trying to do is it, to build a brand, there's a few things. You have a brand promise that you have to uphold. I mean, this is all textbook shit, right? It's just like mm -hmm. you have a brand promise. You have to represent it in all the things you do, and the, and the quality of those those promises have to, to show through. So for us, we actually branded all of our rewards. Mm -hmm. We actually have the little keep badge on the bottom. We kind of looked at it as like an Intel inside, like a like an ingredient brand strategy. We actually did. I actually did in the beginning because I wanted to hold our team accountable. Because I said, how else will people know if we fucked up um, unless we know that every single reward that came out was a keep reward that, that we're mm -hmm. responsible for. So we actually use it as a way to keep ourselves accountable. Because when you see an ad, right, you don't really know where it's coming from, right? It could come from any server, any network, any, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. You know the brand that did it, but the guys who, you know, put it out there and did the media for it, you have no idea. So for us, we wanted to brand that. Um, and the second is we wanted to keep it consistent, right? So all of our rewards, you know, we have a rule with all of our, our, um, our, our, uh, our, our, our reward providers. We, we call it CCC, three Cs. Creative copy purpose, or wait, what purpose? No, CCP, sorry, CCP, sorry. Uh, CCP, creative copy purpose. Um, so essentially, is, there, is, it is it creative? Is it, is it, does it look good, right? Is there an element of it that people will go, oh, that's interesting? Is the copy appropriate for the reward? And is the purpose of the reward matched? Like, are you saying they're getting something and then the reward that they're actually mm -hmm. getting the email is completely different, right? So those are the things that we try to make sure they align to. Um, and so those are the things that I think are, are truly important is, is how do we uh, show that promise across all of the rewards that we have, uh, describe ourselves so differently that people kind of have to put us in that other category. Mm -hmm. Now, this works for different things. <laughs> so I will say that when you're in an, in an industry meeting, like I'll be surrounded in sometimes like 15 media buyers in a, in a pitch. And if I all of a sudden go, we're, you know, really, basically what they'll hear from me is he's very difficult to buy. His, his media is very complicated, <laughs> cannot fit in my Dart or my media right. mix modeling, and this, this shit's crazy. Like, I won't be able to fill, mm. yeah. I can't put this back, <laughs> I can't fit it into the model that I'm being held accountable against. <clears throat> so when I'm with agencies, the way I describe it is gonna be different. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the press, when it comes to the consumers that we, we are, are exposing our rewards mm -hmm. to, we truly need to make sure they realize that we're looking at something differently. On a technological mm -hmm. level, we wanted to build this out so that we had complete control as well. So we actually don't go through mediation layers. We don't have any other SDKs that represent us. It's mm -hmm. our technology that sits in those games and those mm -hmm. apps. So in the 1,500 apps that we're in, 
it's our SDK. Mm -hmm. um, now, there's been so many times, I can't even count, in the last three years where we've been challenged and people have been going, why don't you go through Admarvel and, you know, Bursley and like, like these SDK aggregators. But what those guys do is they optimize on pricing. They optimize on the mindless metrics. Mm. We told them we optimize on whether or not you, you fucking want the reward or not. Right, um, and so like little things like if you see the reward three times and you don't claim it, um, does that mean that you? Uh, so if you see the reward three times and you don't put your email address to claim it, we'll never show you that reward ever again, right? So imagine the face of a media planner when I say that, because they're like, oh, my impressions are like literally melting away, right? Because you're now capping my impressions. I'm like, yeah. So if you ask a girl out twenty times and she says no, doesn't mean that you ask her out another thirty times will mean she says yes. Right, but that's, a, that's like the way that impressions and GRPs, gross rating points, which is the same equivalent in, uh, in TV, really work. It's like, how many times did I show you this message, right? The more I've shown you it, the more I know that I've shown you it, mm -hmm. the more likely you are to convert. Same thing, right? Like that girl said no, man. She says, she means no. It's just right. no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so we've all been there, right? <laughs> Uh, anyway, let's move on. No, uh, but it, it is very important because at a certain point, yeah. if you're just playing the same ad over and yeah. over again, it creates blindness. Yeah. No one gives a, a well, shit anymore, exactly. right? Well, we acted it out, right? We said, if you don't do it, we won't show you that reward group ever again, yeah. right? It's just, we, we have these rules, right? So people would be like, why three times? I'm like, we just made up that number, to be honest with you. We just said, <laughs> I mean, there's really no science behind a lot of this in the beginning. Now we've tested it. We've tried four, we've tried two. Three was the right number. Obviously, we did more than that. So it's like, how do we optimize for our assumptions? So as a startup, as you guys probably know, it's like, you won't have perfect data. You will pick the things that you, you mm -hmm. know will potentially could work, and then you just test and uh, validate the hypothesis or not. It's, it's super simple. Right. right. And, and speaking of that, you guys also uh, use a cost per engagement. Mm -hmm. uh, and what is, uh, you know, it's a moment, is the engagement yeah. in Keep, but how do you kind of continually measure for that, and how do you continually change that? You mentioned that you, know, you don't show the same reward if someone doesn't get it, but yeah. how do you constantly keep yourself you know, evolving that? So we chose CPE because there's a company called uh, Say Media that kind of sort of invented it, and it became a part of the vernacular of advertisers, especially through, essentially is because they could, in their IOs and their RFPs, do like a drop-down mm -hmm. menu and they could pick CPE, right? Because if we were in any of those, it would be extremely difficult, right? Mm -hmm. um, that was the one reason. If I had a choice, I'd call it like cost per reward redemption or cost per mm -hmm. whatever, something that was more unique. But you know, doing that would have been a, a, a death wish, essentially. Um, and so we, it's a performance metric. So that's when someone actually puts in the email address and, and claims the reward. Mm -hmm. Now, here's the interesting thing that we learned. God, it's like so black and white sometimes in this industry, which is for better or for worse, right? But it's like, okay, it's performance. Oh, you mean you do CPA, right? So you do acquisitions, because that's performance, right? That's about, you know, mm. I'm like, no, 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 it's an engagement. So you can't actually merge brand with performance, or else people just, they don't even know where they are anymore, mm -hmm. right? So I'll be like in meetings, and I'll be like, yes, yeah, so not only can we help you acquire and build performance metrics and pay for that performance, but people will actually like your brand, and you can measure brand lift and recall. Like, oh, but that's not me. You know, I don't do the brand lift stuff. That's the other guy, right? So when you actually, you know what I mean? So like it's, it's the difference in most brands between the guy who does promotions and couponing and the guy who does the brand stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, like the, um, the guy who makes you think of Pepsi or Coke <coughs> more than the other competitor, mm -hmm. right? 
So, so, so the metric we, we thought was very, it was key. Like I thought if we, if we picked any other metric, I don't think I'd be sitting right here right now because we needed something that was easy to buy. Right. Yeah. And then you still had to be understandable for those who are still caught up in the old school kind yeah, of way yeah. of doing things. Yeah, I like to say this, yeah. right? So now with this loyalty piece, and I'm so glad that article came out um, this past uh, week, is, is um, you know, we're, we're actually, we created something quite unique, which is this loyalty in the moment idea, right? How do you create this engagement? Really, at the end of it, I should streamline even further, just so you guys know. Our, our mission is to build value into uh, consumers' moments throughout their day, right? So that value would be, you know, how do I improve on the, 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 the to-do you just finished? Like, here's, here, what we'll do, actually, it'll either complement your vices or it'll be good for you. But for example, if you finish a to-do, we'll give you like a free download of a TV show. Because clearly you have time to watch TV now that you've finished a to-do. So it's <laughs> like that. Anyways, um, so build value in every moment. And then our, 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 you know, this vision is to own every single achievement, achievement moment on the planet, right? So like we, we know that these moments have to be uh, controlled, not controlled, but like um, uh, added value by, by a company that actually cares about it. And that's, mm -hmm. you know, obviously we're very biased. We, we, we think that that's us. Um, now when we look at the, the actual value, we actually kind of, I say that we kind of created a Porsche uh, for a very wealthy 10-year-old in the beginning, right? So this 10-year-old is the media buyer, right? So um, they're really rich, right? They're like they're from Shake in like the Middle East or something. They represent a really rich family. Um, but they don't even have a driver's license, right? They don't even know, they can't even drive the Porsche. But they're just like, hey, I just want it because my client wants it, right? So we built it for them. Um, and then now what's happened is some 25-year-olds have kind of arrived and they've gone, ooh, yeah, I actually know what this Porsche can do for me. You know, I got a driver's license. I know it drives fast. I know mm -hmm. it can pick up chicks. You know, it's great. You know, so they actually know what it does. So I'll kind of keeping the, the, the metaphor going, basically what we're saying is, you know, the same platform, the same ability to reach someone in the moment, um, it, the, the, the level of advance, uh, the, the, the level of, 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 um, of thinking that, that that buyer or that user is at is where we're evolving. Is it began with the media side, and it still will have that component mm -hmm. of it. But we know that the, the true marketers, the ones that actually want to acquire consumer. For example, you know, we are now uh, across the U.S. Um, one of uh, Hulu's top three acquisition uh, partners, um, and 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 just that level of, of efficacy and that being uh, um, reflected <coughs> in that in that performance is is for us a huge deal, mm -hmm. right? For a company that's so maniacally focused on that, but also has a big brand, mm -hmm. and that's the best part about it. Right. And speaking of, you kind of touched a little bit on, <coughs> on like some of the places you're at in the, in the mobile gaming. Sure, sure. I have to switch gears sure, a little bit. Sure, sure. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. But uh, to to kind of get you here uh, <coughs> on the mobile ads make up really a huge percentage of revenue for games, mm -hmm. or, or from games, I should say. And why are mobile games detrimental yeah. to to advertise or the future of mobile yeah. advertising? And why make the statement that you guys wouldn't be dependent upon it? Yeah, so let me clarify that a bit because I'm not saying that mobile advertise, mobile games are bad for advertising. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that mobile games aren't the future either. I'm not saying that we wouldn't be working with them. In right. fact, they are still amazing partners and we love all of them that we work with. And just for the record, I mean, because after that article came out, you guys know Business Insider loves sensationalizing everything. And they, they always optimize for page views. So they're going to make the title as catchy as they can. And the way they'll do is things like, this 22-year-old just took a fart or something. It's like, it's like they, don't even, they, don't even, they don't even tell you who the person is in the title. They just say, this company or this person. Anyways, point is, um, and they know they're doing that. Point is, the games are still the, the, the future, right? They're still um, uh, important because of the fact that there's a large chunk of engagement mm -hmm. by 
the pie of engagement in mobile, mm-hmm. you're gonna spend a lot of time on games. It's just it's just a given, right? It's just, mm-hmm. it's just statistics. Now, the reason why I said something along the lines of that in, in that interview was, uh, what happened with Candy Crush, as an example, is they start to get they started to get too rich. They started to get, earn too much money, um, and they started to earn too much money too fast with IAP in-app purchases. And they looked at their little pie charts and their graphs and their metrics and their dashboard, and they said, well, shit, that's growing a lot faster. And ooh, what if we removed advertising so we had more mm. opportunities to sell people more? What are the currency in Candy Crush? What do they call it? Gems or whatever? Uh, I don't know. No one actually knows in here? <laughs> I mean, this company does IP or is a good IPO for $5 billion off of virtual candy, right? <laughs> I, I think it feels like a little deja vu of a company that just IPO'd for a virtual farm a few years ago. But anyways, <laughs> uh, anyway, so... Uh, so, so they said, okay, we're earning way more money selling virtual candy than we are off of advertising, at least right now. Later on, they may break it back, but the way that they'll think about it is they'll think about it in those optimizations. Because mm-hmm. you think about any industry in mobile that's so unbelievably good at optimizing in the short term, it's games, right? That's what they do. They literally know minute by minute, you know, how their LTV is being affected. Mm-hmm. What their you know average uh, average revenue per daily active user is, which is ARP DAO, so you may hear that type of acronym once in a while, and and these types of things, they all know all these things. Anyways, long story short is what we realized was we could either wait for these guys to self filter themselves out of the picture temporarily because they're optimizing themselves in these short term metrics, or we rely on a more diverse portfolio. So much like when you invest in any stock. You don't want to put your eggs in one basket. And for us, yes, we did invest a lot in games in the beginning, and that was a great way for us to grow because, again, guess what? While they were figuring out their things out, we knew that those moments were worth something, and we were able to you know, mm-hmm. obviously add value. Now, of course, a lot of them are, again, seeing IAP and still have the traditional perception of advertising. So if you ask the Candy Crush guys, their view of advertising is that it ruins the user experience. Mm-hmm. So if I, ha- if I get my way right, and I get into all their heads, They'll, they'll know that advertising doesn't necessarily have to ruin the user experience and actually add to it and actually create more retention and actually create more loyalty, as we just talked about. So, mm-hmm. so those same dynamics, if they accept those new laws of physics, then we apply. But unfortunately, there's a lot of people who think in the old laws of physics mm-hmm. there, and so of course they'll optimize, out, they'll optimize advertising out of the equation. Mm. So am I making sense? So that, that yeah. was the reason why, right. and obviously if I were to explain this in an interview, that's oh, too many words to write, you know, fuck. Um, so it's like, um, that's why this is, I think, is important for us to clarify. So for us, that's why we went to five verticals in total. And we did it very calculated. So we have a promise where we're going to do one every quarter. And so in total, we, 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 in five right now, so we have games, fitness, productivity, food, and music, right? So again, moments are like games are leveling up. Of course, fitness is finishing a workout. Uh, productivity is finishing a to-do. Music is favoriting a song, adding a new song to a playlist. Um, and uh, uh, um, what was the last one? Uh, food is bookmarking a recipe. Uh, and then the sixth that we're launching this quarter is sports. Uh, we're super excited about this. So it's so obvious once I tell you, but it's like, hey, when your favorite player scores or when your team wins, these are all moments, right? And imagine how valuable this is for a brand to ride off of how happy you are in that moment um, and, and actually reward you for that as well, right? And so that's, that's what our thinking was. Like, how do we help brands own winning moments. Um, and that's what this is. For sports, it's winning moments. Um, and so that's the, the next vertical. Uh, and so when you think about it, it's, it makes so much sense, though, because the, the, the amount of tech, t- tech tweaking we needed to do to reward someone in a fitness moment and a recipe moment was minimal at best. 
right? Because these moments are still a moment when you're feeling something and a moment where presenting something that's useful to you in that moment could be valuable to you and improve your life. Right. It's, it's, it's not that we're leaving gaming behind, but we're just kind of evolving to other yeah. things. And let me tell you, so I, I'm, a, I'm a typical entrepreneur, much as most of you guys, and I have a lot of uh, ideas and I get very excited about things as well. And, and the reason why I'm still 180,000% focused on keep, people always ask me, do you have any you know, side projects? I don't have any, because here's the thing. I love education and I love health as uh, industries that I think are a lot of innovation happen. But let me tell you something about what we have here at Keep and why um, every day is so unbelievably fun. It's like, okay, so how does, how do, so in, in education, what is my goal? Well, I, I'd like to create something that helps educate more and more kids or helps improve uh, the, the quality and the structure of institutional uh, education today. Um, and then the second is uh, healthy. I want to make people healthier. So with Keep, literally I have projects right now that I'm working on where, you know, by rewarding people in the moment, we can help kids learn faster, help kids have more fun learning, and in, and in health, actually make people healthier. So like through the, I've never been, you know, seen an idea, obviously, that we've just grown and, and, and it's blossomed where it could apply and help and add so much value to so many people's lives. Um, and and it, it started off with like, again, like, holy shit, what if we gave people a latte for leveling up in a game, right? And then now it became, holy shit, we can actually help improve moments in people's lives. Mm. It's actually mm. improving, like it's, it's changing the world, right? So that, and, and one moment at a time. So that's the reason why I hope you guys see it now. Like it, where it's, not, it's not just this, you know, it's, it's like the advertising thing is so minuscule when it compares to the overall potential impact. So I, I get really, really frustrated when uh, I, they just, you know, don't see it. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm not, I'm much like most of you when you spend time with, uh, with some, some advertisers is that unfortunately these short-term metrics really do drown a lot of people and uh, it suffocates creativity and it suffocates the ability to improve people's lives. Right, touching people's lives one moment at a time. Exactly. I think that's the perfect place to leave it and open it up to audience questions. Yes, sir. Uh, so online, like the future of Triple Threat says, online video advertising is the highest return on investment in other, any form of advertising at 81%. So obviously you're higher than that, right? So what is your return on investment and how do you measure that? Uh, we, we show them by their, their engagement rates, right? So how many people are actually claiming their rewards? And then also from that, um, how many people are converting, right? So uh, for Hulu, for example, that'll be how many people actually bought a subscription to Hulu Plus, right? Um, for a Pepsi, it would be how many people actually went into the store, used the coupon, and redeemed for it. For 7-Eleven, we actually just wrapped this up. It was my favorite one of my favorite campaigns where we gave away free uh, Slurpees to people who were uh, playing games in uh, cities that were uh, over 70 degrees, which was pretty much most of America. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so it was really fun. Um, uh, I think we took out San Francisco there for like a couple days. Uh, but uh, yeah, exactly. So, like, this place is great. It's always hot, right? So, um, so that's the way we measure ROI, and then they back it into the CPEs that they're buying, and they see what their their return on investment is on that CPE pool that they spent on. Um, so, I hope that that makes sense. Yeah. No. <coughs> you have a percentage? What percent? Like average engagement yeah. rate? So, our average engagement rate is thirteen percent. So, the number of people actually put in their email address and claim a reward is thirteen percent of the people that see the reward. Yeah. So how do you get to 10,000? How do you do 10x that? What's your strategy or thought about driving that to a much larger? Thank you for sounding like my board. 
Uh, that he, he's I not on your board? No, he's not on my board. <laughs> literally had a board meeting yesterday morning. I'm pretty sure I heard that voice like five times. Uh, uh, you know, that's a great question. I think part of it is making ourselves indispensable and natural in the early stages of an app creation process. Um, so a lot of this integration, so I want to sort of share a quick bit about this whole dynamic of SDK fatigue. Um, uh, when I first started the company three years ago, uh, that wasn't an issue, right? It was like, you know, only a handful of companies that SDKs, and what developer would be, oh, that's great, SDK used to mean something useful, right? Because a software development kit was supposed to make me and my tools more efficient, blah, blah. Now, SDK only screams annoying, you know, too much, you know, I've got already other stuff in there, and I've got to maintain it, and, you know, fragmentation Android makes my, my life so miserable, and I don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? And managing 30 other external SDKs is a pain in the ass. Um, so it's basically a lot, what I'm saying is it's a lot harder now. Um, but there's companies like Google and Flurry and Chartboost have managed to be a part of the natural life cycle. Um, and I look actually what Chartboost did because they were very clever. In the beginning, they said, okay, people want to, you know, uh, you know how way back when we used to do like affiliate link trading for when you first started to build your site just to get traffic from each other? It's basically the same thing. It's how do we, you know, pool together our, our traffic and trade traffic, right? And that's what Chartboost did. So they, they kind of created a tool to do that. So I guess my only answer to you would be, without giving things away, and you know, I don't want to kill you, is, uh, is this whole idea of uh, how do we have tools that make us uh, indispensable in the early stages of your development? And this could be uh, uh, not, not limited to these things, but things including analytics, things including retention, things including uh, item management, things including uh, cross-promotion, things including installs, things include all sorts of things, right? Now, will we build all that shit? Probably not. Um, will we get to the point soon where we can actually uh, take some of the companies that thought that it'd be nice to build this very nice little niche little SDK thing, but actually not have enough money or enough resources to continue further and need a place to bail themselves out? Then you know that that's, there's a lot of opportunity there. Consolidation in the marketplace is happening right now as well, right? Because you've got everybody's got everybody and their mom has an SDK now, right? It's just how do we figure out to find the one that it truly matters? Because enough time has passed, you know, in the three years that we've been around, I'd say four-ish people who have directly copied us have evaporated, right? Because um, either they made the wrong bets or they've copied the wrong things. You have no idea, but uh, I hope that makes sense. <coughs> Well, the stack, honestly, if you think about it, is going to be a combination of the same tools that people are using. I mean, um, we, uh, we actually recently, and I'm just saying this by pretending to sound smart, because I'm not my CTO. He's, he's going to have a better answer for this. But um, you know, we're, we're now using Go as a, as, a, as, a, as a new type of language to try putting things together. And I think this is a Google thing, right? You guys probably heard Go. Go is like really hot right now, apparently. Um, uh, and. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, so what, what I describe it as for technology defensibility is the following, right? Um, a lot of people will try to build stuff on their own and, and claim that they can do it, right? So I, I compare us to like, a, in this particular scenario, I compare us to like a payments thing. So like PayPal, okay, or, or Stripe or Braintree, or Braintree is not PayPal. But let's say you want to integrate payments into your app. Yeah, you could theoretically go out there and sign up for a merchant account from a bank and you know, try to process credit cards on your own, right? Like anybody can kind of technically, you, you could go out there and technically do that. 
But why would you? Because there's a tool that's already making it super simple and you just drop it. So we're like that, but for rewards, right? So people could try to build a whole rewards management system and figure out a uh, fraud protected and manage volume and creative and analytics and tracking, or they could just use us, right? So think when you look at the defensibility in our ecosystem today, right? It's a combination of brand, it's the combination of your data, combination of your, your ecosystem strength from the, the validation you have from your partners. Uh, but when it comes to building it, yeah, I mean, the going, you know, the, the saying goes like, you Google could just throw a billion dollars and build your product in like, you know, two days. I mean, that's not, again, the thing that ultimately will set us apart is how many patents we're holding or how many individual IP unique black box algorithms we have, but how we execute in the ecosystem and how our partners validate us. Yeah, so we now support 12 languages, and uh, we recently opened an up internationally for brands with our self-service. So our whole thinking was, hey, 60% of our traffic is US, 40% is international. Basically, developers aren't making money off of that 40% if they're just using us. Let's start leveraging more of that by opening it up to people to actually being able to put in their rewards. And, 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 and the languages range from a Japanese to Russian to a Spanish, you name it. So I mean, um, Japanese is really fun, so we actually um, just announced a big integration with Yahoo Japan in, 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 in Japan. And uh, um, you know, that was a really big integration for us. And so international is a, is a big focus for us right now. Are the moments different in the sense that culturally some things are positive or other cultures are not positive here, or vice versa? I, I think I'll find out when Christmas and New Year's <laughs> rolls around. Um, <laughs> there's a lot of learnings during those, those, the holiday period, I would say. Um, I'm really interested. I mean, like we did a test last New Year's about holding on to New Year's resolutions, um, and this was globally. So we would show. Um, we actually did a, a visual of like you know the amount of people who were working out on January first, and then January second, and then track those same people throughout you know like a month. Yeah. And the fall off in America was astounding. I mean, like pretty much 100% of the people that that started working out <laughs> stopped working out. Uh, now, now, in Europe, it was completely different. I mean, there was, I think, 30% people decided to stay and continue working out. So I, just, I don't know if this is cultural or just uh, chronic laziness. I have no idea. Um, <laughs> but uh, these are just small little things. So you get to see certain things like that, I guess. All right, we have time for one more question. Really? I don't want my board member again. <laughs> I, I'm messing with you. I'm messing with you. What's another? <laughs> yeah, another more question. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, because oftentimes in start, you know, the business model changes, you're trying to maximize revenue, either more customers or you know, share a wallet. Our business model. Difficulty yeah. Of, you know, the new language and yeah, yeah, yeah. So, our business model luckily has stayed the same since inception, which is uh, brands uh, buy in um, with CPEs, so they pay per engagement, and then we rev share that with developers. Uh, that integrator SDK, and when we serve the reward into their, their app and someone claims a reward, they'll get a rev share on that. Um, so that's the same. Um, the challenges, I, I will say, are simply, they're, they're, and they're challenges. They're not obstacles. They're more, how do we get more international um, inventory? How do we uh, increase engagement rates? Uh, how do we optimize pricing? Um, I will say optimizing pricing is like uh, it doesn't even it didn't even exist in our company until like six months ago because in the beginning you're just like all right 
fine, a dollar. You know, it's just like whatever, right? Um, and then and then after a while, you kind of just tweak it and, and see how what what optimizes the yield uh, for both yourself and for the developers. Um, I think those are mechanics that you just test, and it's pretty by the book, right? You just see what works better and make sure you're testing across time frames that are valid and not showing you skewed data. Um, and then across uh, both irrational and rational customers. So. Wait, what's a rational customer? <laughs> so an irrational customer would be, um, uh, I don't again, like it would be a, a brand or an agency that's buying mm -hmm. off of relationships, right? Or buying off of uh, how they feel about you, right? Uh, although, yeah, that's exactly, that's irrational. Uh, and then rational would be someone who says, okay, you're performing like a Hulu, right? And then continue to do the same thing over mm -hmm. and over again because they know that it's working, right? Um, so we could actually like so who is it that asked the uh, the conversion number? Um, we we could technically have made like the best conversion for a big brand um, for someone buying something at a Whole Foods, but if they measured it on how much love was measured, like brand lift or brand awareness or brand recall, then that final number may not have mattered to them at all. So there's so many things that you have to look at, and I think the challenges for us has just been the diversity of those needs, right? Because brands have many things that they will measure against. Uh, and so I'm lucky that we've now found more rational customers uh, and then use that as a predictable, scalable measurement um, so that we have that solid pool of revenue and then allow the rational, irrational buys to take its course as bonuses, right? So there's ways that we look at it and that's kind of been how the economic model has grown. Very good. Well, I want to thank uh, Brian once again for joining us today.